Hello friends, thank you so much for joining us for yet another podcast brought to you by Share the Well. One of the things that I remember as we begun this endeavor of Share the Well is to uh, focus on bringing people who do not have the same views. Uh, opposition is fine. I think we need to respect one another for who we are, but challenge one another for what we believe. And dialogue is possible without disrespect. That's one of the things that we were thinking of. So we continue the dialogue between Tarun Clark and myself, and we challenge one another in terms of what we believe. We don't agree with one another for what we believe and, and uh, where our critical premises are and conclusions that we draw on uh, from those premises. So you will, you will hear a robust debate, uh, nevertheless, in this episode. Enjoy. As we always challenge you, take away one thing. You know, think about it. Take it to other people and challenge uh, others and, and discuss with them without disrespecting. But, uh, you know, to kind of uh, reveal what you believe and what others believe and challenge one another for the betterment of one another. Take a listen. I'll talk to you guys. End of this episode. Well, no, no, okay, no, we'll, we'll get, no we'll get you there. just have to you have to do some legwork. That's the problem. You have to do your research. You have to then say, okay, let me take, how do you discern truth? You have to, you know, go through, go through and reason things out, reason statement, look into the actual text itself, uh, look into the actual claims itself. You, you have to do some of this logical reasoning okay. and you have yeah. to take we, their claims. Got, you have to take their claims and then see whether they, exactly. from a, from an existential standpoint, is it consistent with, a, th- a thriving living. Sure, agree. Yeah. Can, can I can I ask you this though re- regarding truth? Can one of the things I look at, I look at men who are incredibly intelligent, men who who are significant, who who are extremely um, intellectually gifted, and by that I mean are able to. Uh, are able to take in a lot of information and data, process it in powerful ways, and then arrive at conclusions. So I think of men and women who are significantly more intelligent than I am. Um, And when I look at men and women of that intellectual status, I see that they arrive at all kinds of different conclusions on what capital T truth is. Yes. And so I'm curious to know how you understand that. Tarun, it is consistent because what did I say the fourth you know, statement? That the big T has to be revealed. It cannot be discerned just by, you know, by having a high intellect. No, you but- could have a high intellect, but that big T is not revealed to you. You do not conclude that way. But Don, that's supremely problematic because all it takes is for Why? someone to claim that they've had the truth revealed to them. No, I'm not. So, so again, I'm not stopping there, right, Tarun? So that's a fifth statement. We we have to take it to the logical conclusion because as Clark said, you have to take the claim. You have to check for that consistency. You have to check for that cohesion. You have to check for life lived like that from a thriving standpoint. You have to look at the historicity. You have to look at many. I'm not stopping at just saying, just buy it and that's it. 
just buy the claim and that's it, right? That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying you have to kind of progress from, you know, those axioms that you put together and you have to examine lives and living and societies and people groups and, you know, over a period of time kind of see, does it make sense? Is it consistent, right? I'm sorry, Clark, you, you wanted to, I think you can so, bring yeah, in the so, RZ's, you know, statements. So, I mean, you know, you your point, Theron, is if somebody claims to be, you know, you can't, you can't like Donald said, one, one test of truth is not a true test. Um, my point is this, you know, at Jesus, during that time, there were supremely wise, educated people at that time. They empirically saw, they logically analyzed, they experienced everything. And they still did not believe. So that's what Donald's point is. Even if you have all the facts laid out in a row and handed it to you, and there's one individual, one individual who actually experienced him personally for the three years, he still did not believe. His name is Judas Iscariot. He is very, very educational as far as Christianity is concerned. People make him out to be a bad guy, but he is extremely, extremely important character. Because again, Thurin, if you were placed in that position, there is a possibility that you still, with all the evidence before you, you still will not believe. And I, I have a somewhat similar analogy. It's not, it's not a good analogy, but off the cuff of my head, I'm thinking about it now. Even nowadays, so much evidence about, I mean, the existence of COVID and you know, whatever, and this is what you need to do. But there are still people out there with all that empirical evidence that choose not to believe. But Why? A, because there's a personal agenda. Po possibly. I'm not disagreeing with that, but there's... Okay, so that analogy, I guess, makes uh, it breaks down on two levels. One being COVID specifically relates to the material world. That's something which is small t truth related, something which can be empirically verified. So that's just one difference that I'm saying that our spiritual claims cannot be. The second is that you believe that people would disagree with what the truth is because they have an agenda. So my question would be, what agenda would people have to dispute the claims of Christianity? Christianity is making claims on how to live a very beautiful life. Why would any, I, I, I cannot understand why anyone would want to, would want to it's disparage, sorry? Yeah, it's a, it's a tough life. I don't think the popular Christian message, I think we have to question. Jesus said, come and suffer with me. That's not a popular message. You will be ridiculed for your belief. That's not a popular message. So. I think we have this fancy, no. we have this understanding of what Christian, this good life is. But when I examine the scriptures, the goodness doesn't come from a, you know, beautiful, thriving life on the outside. So, no, I I'm not, I'm not saying that at all. I'm not the out, uh, are you speaking of like a materially thriving life? No, I'm saying a psychologically and spiritually sound life can arise from following the practice of loving people as you love yourself. And that is a truly good life. It's called to suffering. 
it's not called to just joy and enjoyment right on the outside you know that it, no, 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 but that's why, but that's why you, I think saying, you're, I wanna... you're, get, you're getting hung up on, on the idea of joy. I think you're associating that with maybe pleasure in some ways. But no, let me let me flip the question then. What do you think is the promise that Christian life brings then? I what think you brings, I think that it brings. So this is again, this comes back to a lot of our previous conversations. I don't. Mm-hmm. I, I don't believe in the validity of this of the afterlife claims or the spiritual forces that Christianity defines. I don't, uh, that stuff I don't think is empirically verifiable. But, but what you I think can't is, verify that statement, Darren. Wait, wait let, let me just finish what I'm saying. I'll just answer Don's question. Okay. I think that um, what I do believe though to be valuable and worth pursuing in the Christian life is the belief that you love others as you love yourself. What's the cost you have to pay for that? Well, it's it's contextual and it's dependent on. It, yeah, I mean, it's, it's dependent on. I'm just asking. But the idea. I'm just asking that, you. What do you understand? What the, what well, would no, be there's the, the ideal? There's the ideal which I don't think anyone reaches to, which is it's the notion that you give up your life in. Um, for the betterment and for the uh, advancement of the other. It's kind of what a parent does for their child. Right, right. Right? So I still think, though, that that's key to living a psychologically fulfilling and spiritually fulfilling life. And and that's just true of, that's just true of any, because ultimately I believe that a, a meaningful life, a big component of a meaningful life is having relationships that you really care about. And the only way you can have thriving and meaningful relationships is when you, when you sacrifice parts of yourself or parts of your time, your resources, in order for that relationship to thrive. And that is modeled on the idea of Jesus. Ultimately, the, 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 the most concrete example or the most vivid example of that is Jesus dying on a cross and saying, I am giving up my life for those I love. But really that can be modeled by us. I don't think in such an extreme way, but in terms of how we give of our time and our resources and our giftings to our families and our communities. But he didn't die, he didn't die for people who loved him. Well, no, I'm, or whatever, he dies for the world, which is essentially to say he dies for... Oh, okay, I get where you're coming from. You're saying no, but that has to be done even for your enemy. Right. Right. So the, that's why I said it's the, the, the construct of Christian living as constructed by popular culture and, you know, some preaching, some, some preaching may not fully give, you know, may not fully kind of explain what Jesus calls us to. Right. So, and because we live in a very, very thriving society, right? Like in the U.S. and Canada, the that living—it's almost like living in, you know, not to besmirch a country, but living in, you know, um, I'd say, um, I don't want to take that country, but you know, um, <laughs> living in Afghanistan, living in Afghanistan, uh, and loving the guy who's shooting. 
that's the kind of love that Jesus is showing and he expects no. his followers okay, to Okay, so show. I guess this is where we just completely disagree too. Why? Why how are we inconsistent? Okay, but, but so that, I guess that takes us that takes us away enemy. from I guess that leads us to the question of how do you define your enemy? The one who is shooting at you. <laughs> he hates you. He hates you. He's shooting at you, so he should be your enemy. But what does it mean to give up your life for that enemy? So the for, what does that mean for? Is laying down. So what Jesus did was, Father, forgive them for they know not what they're doing. You know, so he's asking for forgiveness for the people who are actually putting him on the cross, which essentially we see as the whole, the humanity that was not considerate towards the creator and was pouring out, you know, was basically putting him to the cross, right? So the, the, the paradigm of Christian living is seen with a sense of prosperity, but God's angle, where he comes from in terms of his expression of love and truth, because love and truth come, came together at the cross, right? Mercy and justice came together at the cross. The, the, the realities colliding at the, it's different. No, I, I, but that doesn't make any sense because then, so okay, I, I would ask that's you right. how you would live that out. <laughs> that, that's the, see, that's the point, Tarun. So when we then, when we then look at quote unquote claims, right? Claims, Jesus is claiming, right? Jesus is claiming something. And he's saying, hey, this is the way I've lived and I expect you to live. Then the question is, the right question you asked. That's the pointed question that I think we have to ask. And I don't think we ask often, how do I then live? How am I living this high calling? How am I loving somebody who really hates me? I have to ask that question. Does anybody hate me, first of all? Second... (laughs) But there are, there are people who hate. So, you know, um, there are always people. There are always people, you know, in, in and around your circle that really okay, don't so, like but you. But what does it mean right? to give your life up for them? Like very practically, very, uh, yeah, practically, if, if there was a step that you could take today, and I'm only asking this because I disagree with that interpretation of what it means to give your life up for the other. I think that to give your life up for, for him who hates you is in some ways to give up your own values. So for instance, your enemy is just someone who holds different values that you hold. And to give up your life for your enemy is to say that you are willing to lay down your values for their values to be upheld. I don't know. Uh, I mean, you 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 would be willing to do that if you felt (laughs) that the values are making that individual sick. No, but if you, but I'm assuming that your enemy is is one who is but that, but what you're speaking of is a noble attribute to give up your life for someone who is unwell or who is unhealthy and to relinquish your that which you no. value so that they can uh, thrive that so is they can thrive. Noble. But I'm, yeah, but I'm, what yeah. I'm hearing Don say is that you give up your values. No, you don't give up your values. I, I think you, you, you are going, getting past their quote unquote values to, to tell them that they are more valuable 
than what they hold on to right now which is but can i ask you what a practical but that's why i want to know what a practical example is in for you so it would be to it would be to financially support somebody who has uh mentally and physically tortured my mom so that would be a practical way of serving somebody who has brought a lot of pain and suffering in our lives that would be one way simple way it's not too much i'm not laying down my life but i'm giving up part of my earnings through my mom to them regularly consistently i don't have to do that i can always cut off i have no reason to to support or sustain them right but it in some to... ways aren't you i'm assuming though that this isn't a situation which continues to lead to that suffering for your family for you and your mom i'm assuming that this action doesn't lead to the continued suffering of you and your family continued suffering it does but that is but then how are you showing love to your mom and to yourself by by showing what christ showed on the cross to us i it's consistent to me right? that's that's to me that it's, that's a it's form not, of damaging yourself and damaging so i think we have hierarchies of people we love so so i mean mm-hmm. i i think it's a i i think what you say initially is i this is where we get to the real meat of these conversations i suppose but <laughs> to what? me that these haven't been meat yet <laughs> but to me for, forgive me for saying this don but that to me is if your act of showing love to your enemy harms yourself and your family you're shirking a fundamental sense of love in pursuit of an ideal that will eventually lead to the demise of you and your family i'm saying if that is stretched out that's you have to agree that that's your definition of love you see that i think we finally finally after all I these weeks i think we hit weeks, it we hit we, it on the head it's something interesting on theron yes yes no but what, that's your definition of love you see for a christian our love does not come from our loved ones our love comes from jesus because he is love no but so despite everyone else even if everyone else hates us including our loved ones we still are secure in our love and we should have enough love to spread it to others does okay, it always so the, happen no but that's so the three of us are hanging out and our quote unquote enemy comes and starts beating dawn up for example i would let that go <laughs> <laughs> only because i know donald's place is already in heaven <laughs> okay so they're beating me up but they're the enemy and you haven't you're not sure of where my place is as yet so see they're beating me you up gotta be, you got to be careful stick? here right but you got to be careful here physical harm versus you know you got we don't draw lines like you know if somebody's beating my kid up you think i'm going to sit tight and say i have to show the love of christ to them no that's not that's not so again we go back to definition right definition of love okay but what it's if someone's different. teasing or or is causing emotional distress it sounds like that's the example you're giving you're saying there's someone that's causing your family emotional distress and right you still believe that you need to 
provide financially or to aid in the continual survival of this individual that's causing your family financial it's causing your family some kind of distress right right so if in this case right so you, you can't you can't take the teasing and the teasing to the kid is a different spirit right different age different maturity level different governance structures that are there for development and thriving right we're talking of my mom who's experienced this continually and her saying it is okay for me to bear the pain in order for them to have somewhat of a sustained physical life right so you as you say you weigh right you weigh saying okay this pain that i'm getting continually irrespective of the fact that i'm helping is worth is worth because i see that same not same but you know you see a, a a greater level love that god has shown towards me uh, it's worth doing this that's that's because of the definition of loves are different right that just sounds like an awful person that is being enabled to continue being awful i mean we don't that's you know exactly. obviously you're, the, no, you're, the best you're, case you're, scenario you're exactly is we... right you're exactly right that's what god shows us no because that's just ultimately un- i'm so- i'm sorry I-, i i guess i just completely disagree with this situation i that's okay that's okay i think that what that ultimately if if i think that that belief structure eventually leads down if that's played out if that's played out on a greater level it ultimately leads to the demise of ourselves and our loved ones at the expense of those causing us harm is what i'm hearing Well, exactly. I think I, I think what Donald's leaving out is is you know there there has to be an explanation for his action to the individual and also to the the one that potentially is being hurt. I mean, you have to also have a discussion with the individual and you know their position has to be secure saying, you know, you know, do you are you stressed by this, you know, blah blah blah. It's not like we're just callously yeah, uh, saying, uh, yeah, no. Yeah, it's it's not callousness, but I'm just say what you said Tarun, you, you repeat yourself, maybe write it down. That's exactly true. Christ's life came to an end in order to save people who were careless and callous. He gave his, that's inten- why he but gave with a very specific intention. Up. intention to redeem that was his intention but christ came and gave words to the reason why he didn't just come down for one day and say boop died and then crucify me and then leave i mean he gave his reasons okay actually here as i'm thinking about this a little more there's a difference though is there's still a tribe who christ whose sacrifices whose christ sacrifices specifically for and that's those who acknowledge him to be the son of god it's not a tribe it's everyone it is in a sense right it's it's a it's a belonging to a certain group that's open to everybody oh, everyone sure, but there's open. still a group that gets chosen in that the actions of christ the sacrifices of christ benefits a certain group every no this no, you know you when you say it. tribe when you say tribe there's there's some you know connotations of borders and protectionism and uh 
selectivism, that kind of, it's no, there's, like there's that. A, there is a difference in that you go, for instance, on Sundays, there is a border. On Sundays, you go to a certain building that I don't go to. And that's it's open a to you. Anybody can. Yeah, the question is, anybody no, no, can a, come. No, no, but that's not, the, that's not the point. The point is, the sacrifice of Christ is, the sacrifice of Christ is specifically geared or the effectiveness of the sacrifice of Christ is geared towards people that perform a certain action. Nope. So you're saying, nope. no, what are we saying? I'm saying the benefits of the sacrifice of Christ, which is everlasting life in, in, in heaven. Who's are geared towards How are we those who acknowledge that, that Christ is no. the son of no, God. No, it's it, it, John 3, 16 is simple. Whosoever believes, it's not No, but that's exactly it. Believe. So you have to believe. So it's a specific group that gains access to the benefits of Christ's sacrifice. No, it's open. He said, come unto me. Did, both, who are did both the criminals related. go to heaven? No. One. Okay, why? Because the one came. What? It was open to both. You can't say it was close to one. No, I'm not. I'm not saying it's close to one. I'm saying the benefits. We're agreeing on what the benefits what are. Benefits, but but you're saying you don't want that benefit. So how is it a, a no, benefit no, 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 at no. all? I'm just using this for it. the sake of analogy. Hear me out. Hear me out. So I'm saying that the benefit of Christ's mm -hmm. sacrifice is eternal life. Agreed? Or do we agree right. on that fact? Yes. Okay. And then I'm saying that it's not the benefit, to... but you know we can argue that the word benefit is really not a benefit. It's a relationship. Okay. No, but I'm. The point is that you're performing. Okay, why do you acknowledge that Jesus is the Son of God? Fundamentally, why do you do it? Because he's why the truth? He's the Son of God. <laughs> okay, he's the truth. Also, why, the big. Why team. do I put on my? Why do I put on my? But pants do you you believe your life is better truth. as a result of it, right? Like you believe your life currently and in the next life is better. So there is some benefit, is my point, right? Definitely is. Okay, so. We agree that Christ's sacrifice has a certain benefit. And then we agree that only those, everyone's invited to take part in this action, but only those that acknowledge he's the son of God actually gain the benefit. Agreed? Yeah. So even yeah. then, my point is that to take this back to an analogy that I use, which is why I'm disagreeing with your perspective that we're supposed to love our enemies, I'm saying that Christ's sacrifice is still for a certain group of people and that is, or the benefits that come from that are for a certain group, which is the group of people. It's open to everyone, but the group that chooses to believe in Christ are the ones that get to enjoy salvation. Yeah, I, and, and you're right on the, on the cursory remark, but again, I want to go back to my fourth comment. Discerning and I don't choose Christ. Uh, by discerning, oh, I've weighed all the benefits, now I can choose it. I don't think that's, that's a reality that, at least the Bible that I read, and my personal conviction is, because you could have really intellectual people, but they still don't believe in that same way, right? What we had, Christ calls, and we receive that call. So there's a there's an element, there's an element of a mystery that I don't personally understand how that happens. But if you take a look at the total population of the whole world, if you take apart from God, everybody is an enemy. The definition of enemy is 
basically saying, I don't want you. I don't believe you as a creator. I don't really care for what you have to offer. Mm-hmm. That's what I would, that's what the word of God says as the enemy, right? Romans chapter three. I don't want you. I don't need you. I don't need you to define anything of that's the enemy. So in some sense, it, not in some sense, in the sense world is the enemy and God is saying, come over. There's an open invitation for everybody in the enemy's camp. But there's a mystery of the calling and the receiving of faith. It doesn't seem like the big T, big T has to be revealed. That's my conviction. Clark, maybe you're different. I mean, that you know, there are a couple of issues, not issues, but a couple of uh, uh, topics that Thurman brought up. One is about choice and benefit. Mm. You know, choice is choice. You know, you either choose the chocolate bar, the milk chocolate bar, or you choose the dark chocolate bar. It's a choice. How do you define benefit? Is you know, which do you prefer? So when you say benefit, you know, is is it is the dark chocolate be- benefit for me? No, I'm a, I'm a milk chocolate kind of guy. Um, so and the second, I think you have a sort of misunderstanding of the afterlife from a Christian perspective. Uh, from, a, from a biblical standpoint, every human soul will live on to eternity. Everybody who has ever existed in humanity will live forever. The question is, that forever for you, is it with Jesus or without Jesus? That, that's, that's, that's the afterlife. But there's so one that's preferable, isn't there? Only if you think that Jesus is preferable to you. If you don't think Jesus is preferable, why would you go with Jesus? Well, from a Christian perspective, it's because, like we spoke a month ago, there's the alternative is eternal conscious torment. So I'd rather get my yeah, fire so- insurance. Then there it is. But, You've answered your own but question. If you if 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 you don't want it, uh, how how you're already in torment. You, no, that's you not true. You know, because that Im- that just implies that those that aren't Christians are somehow living lives that are filled with psychological and physical distress. That Christians are not somehow yet. avoiding. Not, not not fully logically yet. I mean, in some degree, they it's are opportunity. There's opportunity. That's, that's an assumption. Um, conclusion, I'd say, right? Um, I don't know if it's an assumption. Maybe it's an assumption. Maybe it's an assumption based on reading of the text. No, no, no I'm saying, I'm saying, I was just, I was responding to Clark saying that they, in some ways, they are living a life of physical and psychological distress. I'd say that we that's... all are. I think we all are. I think we all are, right? We we have some level of stress, whether it's psychological, you know, sociological you know, or physical, there's always stress in the world and it differs between where you are in the, in the world, right? And what place you are in and what social setup you have. There's different kinds of pressures any which way. So torment is, is part of living, um, I think. Um, so there's a level of torment all the time. The question again is, how do we, how do we process that torment and, and, and what, what kind of frameworks and, and, and choices, right, we make in order to process that torment. And, you know, choices, I think, come to an end when we, when we, when we are done on this earth. There's no choice then. Uh, we do have choices while we live on this earth to make, right? I mean, for me, it's simple. Wait. Are you thriving? Sorry. No, go ahead. 
No, I mean, are you, Mike, the question every human being needs to ask themselves is, are you thriving now? If you are, okay, you know, you know, more power to you. But, you know, for me, as I said, you know, I grew up essentially a secular humanist. I wasn't thriving and I, and I searched out other means. And this one turned out over two plus decades now to still, I still evaluate. It's not like just because I'm a Christian, I'm not looking at other philosophies. I only recently, you know, about six months ago, read the Quran just to see how that works out. And to me, again, you know, Christianity has still withheld every test that humankind has put upon it. This character of Christ has withstood all tests, philosophical, you can, you name it, it's withstood all tests. If, if the individual gives Jesus a true chance, and when I mean a true chance is to talk to Monty. a Christian about it, no, to talk to a true Christian about it, to do your own research about it, to even try to establish a relationship by just saying a prayer. You know, when, one of my conversion stories is, you know, I said a prayer to God, didn't think that it would be answered, but he answered. How do I, how do I then proceed? You know, it's just give Jesus a chance. That's all I'm saying to everybody who may be listening. But you already believe. have an you already have an a priori assumption of what would happen if someone gave Jesus a true chance. Like there's no within your worldview and framework, there's no space for someone to give Jesus a true chance and for them to come out on the other side realizing that Christianity is not the truth. There's no space for that within the Christian framework because the response to that is always going to be, well, they didn't give it a true chance. They didn't really believe. They didn't really examine the evidence there's no space I, i'm just saying that's that's and that's fair because there's space I, I think i think there's space there's space so for that. you think it's I possible think Judas, for someone to truly examine the christian faith and to, re, to reject it yeah yeah there is there's true there's truly an there's truly an opportunity I'll tell, that's why i said you know i go back to the fourth claim right this cannot be discerned by human being in the natural man what we call as natural man. This cannot be discerned. It has to be a revelation. And, but, and I but, think, you know, it just, but I'm not, I'm not denying the chase, Clark. I'm not denying the chase. Right. Cause the, it does say seek and you shall find ask. Right. Exactly. So, I'm, I'm not so you're green though, Clark, right? Is there's no space within your perspective for someone to truly seek out the Christian faith and to come out with the belief that, Christianity isn't true. From what I understand of the God of the Bible, I, I would say that is a true statement. If you earnestly, and the key word is earnestly, are seeking for Jesus, he's, he's going to rip that door open so wide, you wouldn't even, your head's going to fly off. Yeah, as uh, He's going to put things said... into place. Go ahead, Don. No, no, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. Finish. Sorry. No, no, I'm, I'm essentially done. Yeah, I was just saying, you know, one of the professors, uh, one of the professor and student was arguing, it's like, I've been searching for God for five years. And I haven't found him. And the professor says, uh, he's been probably looking for more longer than you have. I don't know how you've not found each other. 
So I, I guess that, though, though that perspective doesn't leave any room for, and again, it just comes back to the start of the conversation, is that Christianity, whole, truth is defined in a black and white setting with all certainty. Uh, and I just, I, I don't think that's necessarily, uh, I don't think that's necessarily true about reality. But again, Tavarin, Tavarin, you are making your own truth claims, whether you know it or not. Every time you make a supposition, you are making a thorough truth claim. You're, you're, you're making absolute statements. That's what, that's what Clark is trying to say. Right. When you say you know, things like what you just said, you basically are making a truth claim. No, I, I, I know that, but that doesn't necessarily make sense if you play it out because I'm saying, so I'm saying, what you're saying is every, to make a statement that all truth is relative is an objective statement. That's correct. That's no, a relative statement. Yeah. It's relatively objective, right? Yeah. So it could be true and it couldn't be true. We have to right. try and figure that out. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Because, you know, when, when, when you make, you know, um, kind of by saying there is no black or white, because we are relative beings, we're basically saying there is black or white because your statement says there is no black or white. Indirectly, you're saying there is actually black or white because your statement should be either black or white. Is it true or is it not true? I, I, I don't really understand that. So it's a it's kind of a circular logic as we say. There is no black or white. Is that a black or white statement? Because if it's black or white, I mean, if it is true, it's a black or white statement, right? You're making a claim that there is no black or white. It is a black or white kind of a statement. You've declared that there is no. Oh, I see what you're saying. Like okay, so okay, I white. think a more accurate statement is, is that it's unlikely there is black or white. It is again. You're asserting a claim, because, you know, you're, you're assert, there is a claim behind the claim. Right. Yeah. I mean, you can add a dose of probability that leaves room for you to explore more. Yeah, that's, but that's, that's, but that's uh, what I'm doing. That's, that's what a, I'm saying. It's unlikely. Unlikely is pro, is a probabilistic term, right? Right. No, you can actually you, you can actually be negative on that or positive on that, right? That's why I think the agnosticism kind of comes in, right? I don't know. Yeah. Or, whether, right? Or it's more likely that it's gray. It's unlikely that it's black and white. <laughs> it's probably, yeah. <laughs> The point at which the gray and black kind of meet, right, uh, is really the white, the white spaces. <laughs> but, but Thurman, from from a existential standpoint, you cannot live your life in the gray. Think about it. I would, I would think, but I think my response to that would be that even if you think you're not living in the gray, you are. You're just, I, you're just, I, you're choosing, you're not choosing, you're, I, sorry, I, I can't think of a synonym for this. 
which isn't negative, but you're deluding yourself into believing there's black and white. But what's, I'm trying to think of a positive synonym. Uh, you're, because the only thing I can think of is choosing to believe. And I mean, that's, it's your, not a choice. It's a- your, your word delusional, you know, harkens back to our discussion on truth, right? The delusional person bases their concepts on untruths or illogic. And so hopefully we pointed out that there is logic uh, in the Christian life and there is existential relevance, livable life in the Christian realm. And from, you know, be it historical, there is empirical evidence of the truth of Jesus Christ. So I, I, maybe what I'm going to do is I'm going to spend a little bit more because I have read articles that have led me to the opposite belief, but I can't think of specifics right now. And that's always problematic in an argument is that you get, you, you don't have specific evidence and, and then you get up on you. Sorry. Darn, darn. <laughs> I challenge you. You're an extremely, extremely intellectual individual, extremely. And you're also a very, very, very caring individual. And I've only known you through these conversations for what a couple of months, but I, I challenge you instead of looking at refutations, why don't you, cause you're an avid reader. I mean, you, you absorb information like a sponge. It's unbelievable. The amount of disciplines that you've been able to, you know, not just skim over, but seem to uh, be well, uh, well adept at. Why don't you look into the Christian Look at research, do some actual research on the veracity of the Bible, Old and New Testament. See if there's any evidence for it. Look at, you know, at the veracity of the claims of Christ. If you need help, you know, we have places to send you. But, you know, I, I would challenge you to, if you do your research, I, I have no doubt that maybe you're, you know, you'll have a different perspective. I think that's fair. I think that's definitely, I'll do that. And maybe next week or in a couple of weeks, maybe a couple of weeks would be better, but let me, I'll pointedly spend maybe five or six hours looking into this. And then which, which topic do you want to look into? I think it's only fair to do both, to look at arguments for and against the uh, veracity of the Bible, the Bible specifically. Sure. Yeah. 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 Look at that because we okay. can't move beyond that's we can't fair. move if, if right because we're getting hung up in the fact that you do not believe scripture you believe scripture is more like fable yeah thank you friends for joining us for that podcast brought to you by share the well it truly is an honor for me to meet some of my friends like this to talk about issues that matter to them that matter to us overall and our endeavor at Share the Well is to bring these content raw. We don't have any editing, by the way, in terms of the podcast that we bring because we want to bring authenticity. We don't want to uh, curtail and, and shape the story or the narrative, but to be truthful and to bring to you content that is relevant and content that will energize you, content that will motivate you. It's been a pleasure to do that. You can engage with us in many different ways. One of the ways would be to visit our website, which 
you should have in the notes section of our of the platform that you stream your podcast it's uh for your benefit i can repeat it here it's called share the well dot community uh, or you can uh, leave us a comment in the platform that you use to stream your podcast and we can pick up those comments if there's any topics that make sense to you and that you want discussed you know we can always attempt to get those topics on so i want to thank you again appreciate you guys listening in and um, god bless you and have a wonderful weekend